KMTT. Today is Tuesday, the year in Parshat HaShavua will be given by Mrs. Yael Ziegler. In this week's Parsha, Parshat Vishlach, we have the story of Yaakov's journey back to Canaan. Um, and many have pointed out, and indeed it is worthy of pointing out, that Yaakov's journey back to Canaan follows a familiar route. He, while he briefly comes to Sukkot, his next three moves are very reminiscent of Avraham's movement into the land of Israel when he comes from Haran. Um, after Yaakov briefly sojourns in Sukkot, he goes to Shechem, and then on to Beit El, and then, of course, on to Hebron, where he meets his father Yitzchak. And that, of course, is the end of this week's Parsha, um, or towards the end of this week's Parsha, the end of Parak Lamed Hay. Many have noted, of course, that this is similar to the journey of Avraham when Avraham first gets to Eretz Israel back in Bereshit, Perak Bet. First of all, we're told that he gets to, he arrives in Makom Shechem Ad Elon Moreh, and there he builds a Mizbeach. He then picks up from there and moves to Bet El, where he also builds a Mizbeach. From there, we have the story of the incident of Avraham going down to Mitzrayim. Comes back from Mitzrayim once again on his way. He goes back to Bet El, and then from Bet El he gets to Hebron. In Hebron, he once again builds a Mizbeach. So, um, not including the incident of Mitzrayim, where he goes down to get away from the famine, basically we have three major stops on Avraham's journey. In each place he builds a Mizbeach, thereby making it a place that is worthy of note in his life, as opposed to when he travels around Negba, which is some sort of uh, amorphous sojourn. Um, and it's uh, Avraham travels from Shechem to Bet El to Hebron, which of course is very similar to what we have here in our story about Yaakov's journey. Um, however, Yaakov comes back to uh, Shechem and stays in Shechem. He seems to stay in Shechem for far too long. Of course, this is problematic for two reasons. First of all, because we know certainly retrospectively that Yaakov is going to make the same journey as Avram, thereby indicating that that is in fact the journey that he is meant to make. So we would ask ourselves, if that is the case, why doesn't he immediately go from Shechem to onto Beit El? And more importantly, of course, back in Per Kavchet, on his way to Haran, when he's running away from Esav, he has the story in which he falls asleep in this place, and he has the dream of the angels, um, and of course that place is Beit El, and Yaakov promises that he's going to come back to Beit El on his way back, and he is going to um, build a matzeva. Uh, he's going to take this, the stone that is there and, um, and, and, and make it into a monument for worship of God. Um, now we know that, that somehow this delay of Yaakov in Shechem is uh, certainly problematic in as much as the terrible incident of Dina's rape occurs there, followed by the massacre of the entire city in a duplicitous, duplicitous um, story in which the sons of Yaakov actually deceive the people of Shechem using trickery and uh, forcing them to, in, to, to circumcise and make themselves weak and vulnerable, a rather difficult 
old story. I'm not really going to go in that direction. However, I do want to note that the Radak, um, Rav David Kimchi, in his parish in uh, Perak Lamed Hay, Pasuk Aleph, right after the incident with Dina and Shechem, the Radak comments that when in, in this Pasuk where God tells Yaakov to move on to Bet-El, right? God says, it says here, Vayomer Elokim El Yaakov, Kum Alei Bet-El Veshev Sham Vaasei Sham Mizbeach. Uh, get up and go to Bethel and make a Mizbeach to the God who appeared to you when you were running away from Esav. Now, of course, this uh, Pasuk seems to suggest that God is in fact telling Yaakov that he has done something that is not entirely what he was supposed to do. Now, Yaakov should have known on his own to go back to Bethel. In fact, he was the one who made the promise. And this Pasuk coming immediately after the Dina incident may suggest, in fact, that God is, is telling Yaakov that because you didn't go to Bethel, that is why all this happened to you. And that is, in fact, exactly the way that the Radak here understands this Pasuk. He says, And Hashem, or the Malach Hashem, indicated to Yaakov here, because what happened with to him in the incident with his daughter, the Radak says this whole incident with his daughter happened because he delayed in Sukkot, he built himself a house, and then he bought himself something in Shechem, as if he wanted to settle there, and he should have come directly to Bethel, repaid his neder, and then gone on to Hebron to live with his father, and he shouldn't have been delayed on the way, and that is why he's punished in the incident with Dina. Um, now, the question, of course, remains, why, in fact, does Yaakov stay in Shechem? It makes a lot of sense what the Radak is saying here. The very fact that we have such a terrible incident in Yaakov's life seems to indicate that there was some uh, theological misdemeanor, that there was something that went wrong here that led to this incident. And, in fact, the fact that the Radak uh, connects it to Yaakov's delay is certainly indicated um, by the flow of the text itself. Now it seems that um, it would see, it seems to me that Yaakov doesn't properly understand Avraham's goal in moving about from place to place. Now, Avraham, as he um, moves around from place to place, it, there is a very interesting phrase that accompanies him, and that is the phrase "v'haknani az ba'aretz, v'haknani v'haprizi az ba'aretz." Interestingly. Every time that Avraham moves, it is preceded, his move is preceded by this description of the Canaanite in the land. Now, of course, we noted that Yaakov goes to three major places. One time, his move is preceded, or seems to be preceded by the famine, seems to be precipitated by the famine. But every time he moves from one place to the next, um, in, in, in the three major places where he goes in order to build a Mizbech Hashem, it is precipitated by the presence of the Canaanite in the land, so that we have in Perak Yudbet Pasuk Vav, Vayavor Avram Baaret Ad Mekom Shechem Ad Elon More Vehaknani Az Baaret, and then we're told Vayatek Misham Hahara Mikedem Levet El. Right, the not the next pasuk, but the pasuk afterwards, we're told after um, uh, Yaakov builds the Mizbeach in Shechem, he moves on. When does he move on from Bethel? In Perak Yud Gimel Pasuk. 
Zion were told and it's at that point that Avram turns to Lot and says let's move on now while Lot chooses to integrate into the culture uh, or into the cities of the Canaanites and of course we know the tragic results of that decision or I would rather say the catastrophic results of Lot's decision to integrate into the people of the land Avraham decides to move on and he gets to um, Elone Mamre which is Hebron and that's where he makes his home and we are not told about Hebron it seems that Avraham's goal in moving around the land is also an indication of the way in which Avraham understands his role in receiving the land and this indeed I think is indicated here and that is that Avraham understands that God gives him the land and his family the land in order to purge the land of idolatry. In order to displace the Canaanites from the land, he must have a separation from the Canaanites. And it is to this end as well that Avraham is adamant that his son should not marry a daughter of the Canaanites. Avraham is determined to maintain separation every time there's any possibility that the place where he is staying is going to be encroached upon by the surrounding Canaanites. Avraham moves on. Now, Yaakov... Um, Starts out well, comes to Shechem, he actually buys the city, he builds a Mizbeach, but at the same time Yaakov makes a mistake. And it seems to be that the mistake here is indicated by the words, Vayichen et Pnei Ha'ir, that is um, at the end of Perak Lamed Gimel here, right before the incident of Dina, we're told, I'm sorry, we're told, Vayichen et Pnei Ha'ir, Vayichen את חלקת השדה שנתה שם אהלו מיד בני חמור אבישכם במאה הקסיתה so he at the same time that he buys the sadeh separately he also encamps somehow close to the city itself and this seems to be perhaps also the lot mistake he settles too close to the city and he seems to choose to explore the option of integration rather than the un, um, uncompromising choice of separation made and upheld by Avram. It's possible that his choice is made, like Lot's, out of consideration for the needs of his flocks. We know that he comes back from Haran with a lot of sheep. We also know that Shechem is a good grazing place. We know this from later on, from Bereshit Periklam at Zion. And we know, in fact, that this is where his sons are when, the, when Yaakov finds out about the incident with Dina in Perak Lamedal Pasuk Hey, Viakov Shemaki Time Dina Bito, Uvanav Hayu et Miknehu Basade. His sons were with the flocks in the fields, and here it suggests that uh, Yaakov stays in Shechem because of the flocks, which reminds us a little bit of Lot's decision to go to Stoman and Amorah because they are good grazing ground. Um, in any case, Yaakov seems to stay a long time. Dina was probably very young when they leave Padanaram. Um, and so the fact that, um, that that she's old enough to be in, involved in this incident suggests that he does stay for a long time. In any case, the story begins with Dina going out to go out and see the daughters of the land. She seems to be expressing an interest in integration. And Yaakov himself does not voice any objection to the proposal of Hamor that they integrate their families one with the other, thereby suggesting, or perhaps leaving open the possibility, that Yaakov is not determined to maintain the same level of separation that Avraham was determined to maintain.
Certainly, when we look at Yaakov's response to his son's actions after they despoil um, Shechem and kill all of the people inside, Yaakov doesn't actually hear, uh, voice a moral objection to their behavior, but rather seems to indicate that they have proven themselves, uh, he's upset with them because they have proven themselves to be an impediment to Yaakov's integration with the people of the land. Listen to what Yaakov says, and also note the echo to the description of the Canaani and the Prezi in the land that causes Avram to move away, here Yaakov seems to voice a uh, disappointment that he can't integrate with the Canaani and the Prezi. But Yomer Yaakov, El Shimon ve'El Levi, I'm in Pasuk Lamed, in Breshit Perak Lamed Dalet, Achartem oti lahav isheni bi'oshev ha'aretz, you have troubled me to embarrass me among the inhabitants of the land. Ba'Knani uva Prezi, among the Canaani and the Prezi. V'anim I am very few and they are going to attack me. In any case here, he seems to include himself or to somehow see himself as part of or, or close to the Yoshev Haaretz, the Knani and the Prizi, as opposed to when these words, when this phrase appears in relation to Avram, in which he moves away, Yaakov seems to approach this differently and he sees their presence in the land as something which is... Uh, close to him, which encroaches upon him. Here it encroaches upon him threateningly in this story, but it certainly indicates that he knows that their presence is there in Shechem, and uh, he never sought to move away from Shechem in order to get away from the Knani and the Prezi, thereby indicating that Yaakov has not entirely followed Avram's example in his uh, his journey through Eretz Yisrael. And in fact, the very fact that Yaakov stops in Shechem instead of moving on to Bet El may be an explicit indication that he stops as opposed to Avram, and that is why the incident of Dina takes place in Shem, so says the Radak. What about the brothers? The brothers do seem to be aware of this um, of this uh, of this uh, problem of integration. And in fact, they never intend to accept Hamor's proposal that the two families intermarry. In fact, perhaps we could say that the brothers do understand the message of Abraham and that that is why they undertake the action that they undertake. However, I would venture to say that the brothers also fundamentally misunderstand the purpose of the family of Abraham living in the land of Canaan, taking possession of the land of Canaan in order to displace the Canaanites. Why do I say that? Look at what happens after Shimon and Levi kill um, Chamor and Shechem and the people of Shechem. What happens is Bnei Yaakov ba'u al hachalalim. The sons of Yaakov come upon the corpses vayavozu ha'ir asher timuachotam. They despoil the city et sonam ve'et bekaram ve'et chamorehem ve'et kol asher ba'ir ve'et asher basadelakachu ve'et kol chelam ve'et kol tapam ve'et nishehem shavu vayavozu ve'et kol asher babayit Right, this is a very long and rather distasteful, perhaps, description of the despoiling of Shechem with all of its details. Right, and here um, it seems to be that perhaps the brothers do want to um, to possess here the land of Canaan as God told them that they should, and yet it's not entirely certain that the reason that they want to do so is for the same noble reasons that uh, God seems to tell Abraham, or um, and that is to 
purge the land of its idolatry. Why do I say that? Not simply because they take spoils. Right? Israel often takes spoils in their wars against the Canaanites in Sefer Yoshua, but rather because look at what happens in the immediate aftermath of the story of Shechem. Right after God comes to Yaakov and commands him to go back to Bethel, in the beginning of Paraklam and Hay, Yaakov uh, causes a further delay in their movement toward Bethel because of a rather curious thing. In Pasuk Bet, in Paraklam and Hay, just three psukim or four psukim after the despoiling of Shechem, Yaakov says to his family, Vayomer Yaakov el Beitov vel kol asher imo, Hasiru et Elohei hanechar asher betochachem. He says, get rid of all these foreign gods that are in your midst and purify yourselves. And what are we told two psukim later? So Yaakov's family gives him all the foreign gods that are in their hands. And the rings in their ears. And Yaakov buries them under the Eilat in Shechem. In other words, the household of Yaakov is holding idolatry in their hands. Where does this idolatry come from? Who who gave Am Yisrael idolatry? It's very... um, Difficult to know for certain, but um, many of the medieval parshanut, many of the medieval mafarshim, including Rashi, um, the Rashbam, uh, say that the reason that uh, that that there were Elohei Nechar, the reason that they had these idols, is because these are the spoils of Shechem. That in fact, when and of course the juxtaposition of these two events, the despoiling of Shechem and Yaakov's request of the his household to get rid of the idols, does suggest in fact that there is something to this explanation. If in fact the brothers in their despoilment of Shechem, in their massacre of this Canaanite city, if in fact they do take idolatry um, from this city, well that certainly indicates that they fundamentally misunderstand the purpose of the conquest of Eretz Israel. The purpose of the conquest of Eretz Israel is to purge the land of its idolatry, to to uh, set up an entirely new system of of, of worship in Eretz Israel, and that is worship of a Kaddish Baruch, a worship of one God, monotheism, to purge the land of its idolatry. In fact, the brothers here want to massacre the people of Shechem, but perhaps for the wrong reasons. And it is only after this incident with Dina, when God comes to Yaakov and says, it's time to go on to Shechem, to, I'm sorry, to Bethel, it's time to leave Shechem, and to recapture the values that were created by Avram as he journeyed from Shechem to Bethel, to Hebron, and in every place he builds a Mizbeach, you now have to go back on this path, we're told about Avraham, he calls on the name of God wherever he goes, this has to be once again the path of Am Yisrael, and it is Yaakov who follows Avram's path in bringing into the land of Israel this Mizbeach, this idea of calling on the name of God and purging the land of the Canaanites because of their idolatry. And in fact, Yaakov does seem to understand this after the incident of Shechem. In addition to purging his family of the idolatry which they seem to have acquired perhaps in their uh, massacre of Shechem, he then goes on to Bethel where he once again builds a Mizbeach. He also builds a Matseva in fulfillment of his promise back in Breshit Per Kafchet when he was on his way out. And then he goes on to Hebron, thereby following the path of Abraham.
And this story, or this uh, pattern of story that we have both with Abraham and with Yaakov, even with that little glitch with Yaakov, and I think that we learn a lot from the glitch, because we learn what could potentially go wrong in the conquest of the land. Avram seems to have rather pure and innocent um, uh, um, understanding of what, Kibush Haaretz is about, what the purpose of being in the land is about, Yaakov has a little glitch with his family where the conquest of the land seems to be an end in and of itself. The despoilment of the Canaanites seems to be an end in and of itself and perhaps they forget the idea of Avram, the idea of separation, the idea of purging the land of idolatry. And this story and this pattern is important not simply for Sefer Breshit, not simply for creating a model for the Jewish nation but more importantly because echoes of the story may be heard once again in Sefer Yoshua. When the people, when Am Yisrael re-enter Eretz Yisrael, they must again recall the purpose of their taking ownership, the reason for the conquest of the land. Not simply to get the land, not simply to have a place to live, not simply even as a national homeland, but in order to be able to disseminate the idea of Am Yisrael, the idea of God, Yidiyat Hashem Be'olam, in order to disseminate this idea of monotheism to the world at large, and by doing so, the first thing that they must do is to purge Eretz Israel of idols, to purge Eretz Israel of the Canaanites. To this end, the very first war that Am Yisrael wages in Eretz Israel, the war against Yericho, is a war in which the central feature of that war is that they are not allowed to take spoils. And the words that Yoshua uses to warn Am Yisrael not to take the spoils of the war of Yericho is the Achartem Oto. It says here um, in Yoshua Perg Vav Pasakut Chet, you should not take from the Cherem. If you take from the Cherem, the Achartem Oto, you will trouble the Machane Israel. You will bring trouble upon yourselves. And in fact, when Achan, our great sinner, our only sinner, probably, in the book of Yoshua, when he does take spoils from the war of Yericho, Yoshua's response is very similar to Yaakov's response after the despoiling of Shechem. Yaakov says, Achartem oti lahav isheni ba'aretz, you have troubled me to embarrass me in the land. And Yoshua says to Achan, Ma achartanu, ya'akercha Hashem bayom hazeh. You have troubled us. He uses the very same word. In fact, um, Yoshua's fear of the surrounding Canaanites in the aftermath of Achan's sin also contains echoes of Yaakov's fear. He says in Perak Zayin Pasuk Tet, V'yishme'u ha-Kanani v'chol yoshvei ha-Aretz v'yichritu et shmeinu min ha-Aretz the Kanani, the Yoshev ha-Aretz will hear, they will wipe us out of the land. Here we have echoes of Yaakov's words when he says, Achartem oti lahav isheni b'yoshev ha-Aretz b'Kanani uva-Prizi and then he voices fears that that he will be destroyed from the land. In other words, this echo is meant to draw your attention to the similarities in the stories, while Yericho is meant to symbolize the idea that Kibush Haaretz isn't about conquest, and that the spoils actually represent a very serious danger that one can forget the lofty ideals of Kibush Haaretz, the purpose of Am Yisrael getting the land of, of, of Eretz Yisrael. It's about God, it's about um, it's anti-idolatry, it's about ridding the land of this kind of worship. Achan misunderstands as fundamentally as the sons of Yaakov. And after the Achan incident, how does Yo 
Yoshua right the wrong that has been done at the end of Perechet, Yoshua builds a Mizbeach in Shechem convenes a ceremony at Har Eval. This ceremony is meant to remind us just as um, the, the, uh, the aftermath of the story of Dina and Shechem, uh, Yaakov convenes a ceremony in which they rid the people of Avodah Zaran. Instead, then he built a Mizbeach and a Matseva in order to remind the people of the central goal of Kibush Haaretz, that is, Avodat Hashem, Yoshua convenes a similar ceremony after the incident with Achan, in which Achan also fundamentally misunderstands the idea of Kibush Haaretz, and the, the ceremony involves building a Mizbeach in Shechem, in which the Torah is written down, and the Torah is read to the people. What's interesting about the ceremony in Shechem is that, while I don't have time to, uh, to, to prove it, it appears that the continuation of the ceremony in Perichet, in Sefer Yoshua, the ceremony, this post-Achan ceremony in Shechem, takes place in the very last parak of Sefer Yoshua. In Perik Kavdalid of Sefer Yoshua, Yoshua um, convenes a breach between the people and God in Shechem. And the highlight of this breach takes place when Yoshua says to the people, do you want to worship God or do you want to worship idolatry in this land? And the people say, chas v'shalom, that we would want to worship idolatry. Of course we, want to, we, we choose to worship God. And so Yoshua says as follows, he says, okay, v'ata, and now, hasiru et Elohei hanichar asher b'kirbechem. That's Pasuk of Gimel in Perak of Dalit, in a very strong echo of the ceremony that Yaakov makes in the aftermath of the story of Dina, when he tells the people to get rid of the idols from their midst. Yehoshua says to the people, in the aftermath of the Achan story, in the aftermath of the first wars of Kibush Haaretz, Yehoshua once again reminds the people that Kibush must include an awareness of purpose, ridding the country of its idolatry, making sure that they keep in mind the very idea of the kibush. And there's another strong similarity between this, this ceremony in Sefer Yoshua and way back when the ceremony with Yaakov in Shechem, when Yoshua in Pasukavav in verse 26 in chapter 24 takes an even gedola, vayikach even gedola, sham tachat ha'ala. And he places it there, tachat ha'ala. While I am told that the Allah and the Elah are in fact two different kinds of trees. One can't help but remember that Yaakov buried the Nizamim and the Elohei Nechar. He buried the idols Tachat Ha'elah in Shechem while Yahushua places a monument Tachat Ha'elah in Shechem. And all of this is meant to teach Am Yisrael of their very purpose in the land of Israel. Now interestingly, if in fact we say that Perak Kavdalid, uh, the very last chapter of Sefer Yoshua, is in fact something that takes place right after the Achan incident in Perak Chet, when Yoshua makes the ceremony in Shechem, and there, it doesn't seem to be any other time that Yoshua is in Shechem, and that's one of the reasons that we might suggest that in fact this incident takes place um, at the same time that as, as the previous ceremony in Shechem. If so, we have to ask ourselves, why is this story taken out of its
its chronological place and placed at the end of Sefer Yoshua. And it seems to me that the answer really indicates um, that this reading is a very important reading of Sefer Yoshua. Because in fact, the last parak of Sefer Yoshua is meant to accompany Am Yisrael into their next period. And that is, of course, the period of the Shoftim. During the period of the Shoftim, it is the very danger of the, the, of, of, of forgetting the purpose of living in the land of Israel. Forgetting that God gave us the land of Israel not as a gift, but in order to purge this holy land. The land in which God's presence is so palpably felt. It is, we are meant to purge this land of the um, worship of idols, which is anathema to God, which is the negation of God's very presence in the land. This is the failure of the Jewish nation in the book of Shoftim, in the book of Judges. It is the failure of the Jewish nation to properly rid the land, not just of the Canaanites, but of their idolatry, which leads to the tragic, deteriorating events in the book of Judges, in which the Jewish nation steadily turn from God toward idolatry in a deteriorating fashion. And this, of course, is the very failure of the book of Judges, and this is what Yoshua is trying to prevent. And so in the book of Yoshua, alongside the conquest, Yoshua seems to refer back to the incident in our Parsha, the incident in which Yaakov seems to, for a moment, forget that the idea of the conquest is to maintain separation, is to rid the country of its idolatry in order to be able to properly serve God in the land of Israel. Yaakov forgets this for the moment. That's what happens in the story of Dina and Shem. And then he regains his equilibrium in the very next parak in which he tells the people, he tells his family to purge themselves of idolatry. Yoshua convenes a similar ceremony, very important for teaching Am Yisrael at this time how, in fact, to, um, to, to uh, view the purpose of the conquest. And, in fact, it is this idea which is meant to accompany us into Sefer Shoftim. It's the last idea of Sefer Yoshua that alongside the conquest we must always maintain the ideal of Hasiru et We must rid ourselves of the idolatry that accompanies us alongside our conquest and remember that the purpose of the conquest is to choose to serve God rather than to serve the idols that are so prevalent in the land and it is this which will constitute the success of Kibush Haaretz unfortunately Am Yisrael do not allow this message to accompany them into the period of the Shoftim but ultimately it still stands as the message which enables us to understand what is the ideal of Kibush Haaretz and what is the purpose for which we conquer the land of Israel Um, Shabbat Shalom